Hi, this is Wendy Whalen. Thank you for joining us on New Combinations. Today you'll hear excerpts of live conversations with two choreographers, taken from the Inside New York City Ballet programs, recorded at Lincoln Center. First is Pam Tanowitz discussing her 2019 work, Bartok Ballet, with New York City Ballet, ballet master Craig Hall. Good morning and welcome to Inside NYCB. My name is Craig Hall. Today our program is titled Originating Roles. While New York City Ballet cherishes the masterworks of our co-founding choreographers, George Balanchine and Jerome Robbins, we also have a rich history of commissioning new work. Continuing to create new ballets every year keeps the company relevant, it connects us with today's audiences, and it invigorates our dancers with new choreography, following in the examples of both Balanchine and Robbins, who were both prolific dance makers. It's important to remember that each ballet that Balanchine and Robbins created, the ones we've come to know and love, were at one point a new ballet. Our company's rep exceeds 400 ballets, and 60 of those ballets, approximately 60 of those ballets, are performed during an annual season. We commission between five and seven new ballets each year, and since 2010, more than 50 new ballets have premiered on this stage. New York City Ballet has also helped foster the work of some of today's most talented choreographers, and in part, has given the dancers countless opportunities to originate new roles and to contribute in the creative process. Now, this is a process that most audiences are not privy to, so today I'd like to highlight some of the things that takes place behind closed doors and in the studio. A new ballet will receive anywhere between three and six weeks of rehearsals before it's put out on stage. And that is just the time that the choreographer has with the dancers, not including any ideas the choreographer might need or might have before they come into the studio with the dancers, deciding lighting ideas, themes, and music. All of those things are done before the actual choreographer comes in with the dancers. Um, so now I'd like to uh, talk about a choreographer. Pam Tanowitz is a celebrated New York-based choreographer and collaborator known for her postmodern treatment of the classical dance vocabulary. In 2000, she founded Pam Tanowitz Dance. She has been commissioned by the Joyce Theater, the Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts, Vail International Dance Festival, Jacob's Pillow Dance Festival, and Lincoln Center Outdoors, just to name a few. She has had her work, um, and it's been selected by the New York Times Best Dance Series in 2013, 14, 15, 17, and 18. I'd like to welcome Pam. Hi, how are you? Can I do this? Welcome. It's a lot of people out there. It's a lot of people, yeah. So uh, first off, congratulations, your ballet just premiered um, yes. two days ago? Yes, yeah. Two days ago. Yeah. Yeah, Thursday. On Thursday. Yeah. yeah. How does it feel? Um, uh, I'm relieved that it happened. I feel good about the dancers did an unbelievable job. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Good. 
Yeah. Well, you um, only knew a few dancers, mm -hmm. uh, New York City Ballet dancers, before this process began. So yes. what were you looking for when you were thinking about your ballet and casting your ballet for, for us? Well, it was a tight turnaround time. But before that, I mean, I've worked with ballet dancers on and off. Um, some from New York City Ballet, I worked with Gretchen and Devin, uh, Patricia Delgado. So I've always sort of dabbled and worked with the point shoe or the flat shoe. You know, I've, I've, I did a jazz shoe once because mm -hmm. I wasn't sure how to meet in the middle. Um, and I just actually watched class once because I, had, I was coming thinking that my premiere was going to be in the fall and I had all this time uh, to do that, but honestly, I came to class, I watched a performance, and then I had to cast it. All the dancers are amazing, really, and I felt really excited about collaborating with them, because that's how I view it. I mean, I, have, I come to the work with my specific vision, but I'm also interested in what dancers can bring to the table, and we work together. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's hard to know, because I don't just look for technique. I also have to sort of fall in love with the dancer and I need their mind really sharp. I mean, so it's a full package. Right. Uh, and I think I did really well because they were all amazing and present and committed and we had this short period of time to put up something new. They don't know my style and I think it was a good mix. Yeah. And yeah. so I know that that's sometimes challenging for dancers um, whether or not to like step out and just give and see if a choreographer wants to take the movement that they're yeah, doing or yeah. they just stand there and they're waiting to Oh no, I actually... like everything. It doesn't mean I'm gonna use everything right. or I like it, but I love hearing ideas. And right. I think um, what, I, what I try to set up in the room is I'm very specific and there's deliberate things that happen, but there's also a freedom. So there's space for the dancer to be themselves. Mm -hmm. So we talked a lot about looking, but not just looking at the dancer, but seeing something, seeing your fellow colleagues on stage. We don't count. There's a, a sort of intricate folk dance that's in the beginning, uh, section one, that is not counted on purpose because I want the dancers to to be with each other. So mm -hmm. they're not in their heads going, I have to be here on count one and two and make sure I'm here. It's, it's a com more communal than that. So there's definitely a lot of space. And I also leave, I love accidents. And I love, you know, a lot of times dancers will be like practicing or marking things on the side and I'll put them in the right. dance. Like you'll see in this section, um, there's usually a scrim that they, uh, dance behind a little bit and originally I had them bore in and out but then one rehearsal they were marking the bore with uh on flat and doing something I don't I think they were doing something with their hands I can't remember and then we kept the the marked version there you know so there's things that I, I like to allow space for people's personalities and mistakes and you know uh, there's a joke in my company that my assistants that came with me told these dancers, if you don't want to do something, don't show me because I'll love it. So if you're going to practice like triple pirouettes in the back and I fall in love with it, I'm putting it in. Right, yeah. Don't do it right. if you don't want to do oh it. Oh my so. gosh, that's funny. <laughs> and I think that happened once. I think Indiana said, I don't want to show you this because you're going to want it. And I'm like, show it to me. Uh, she <laughs> trapped herself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Um, yeah, and, and, I th and with Indiana Solo um, in the fifth section, which you won't see, but you'll have to come back and see it. She, we worked together. Um, Miriam 
does um, a special part out in the front, and we work together on that. I mean, I worked with all of them, really, Devin and Gretchen, on each of their parts. Um, I was trying to figure out a way to beat the system with rehearsal-wise, mm -hmm. and one of the ways is to ask for specific times for dance with dancers, so to really delve into their parts, so I try to do that. Now you yeah. know for the next time. For the next time, I can do it even better, I think, yeah. yeah. And now you'll hear Justin Peck in conversation with former Miami City Ballet dancer Michael Breeden from a 2017 Inside New York City Ballet program. We hope you enjoy. What drew you to choreography? I think I became interested in choreography when I first moved to New York City to go to the School of American Ballet. I was 15 when I came and I started to just come to the ballet every night um, and the repertoire at New York City Ballet is constantly changing and it's primarily focused on the works by George Balanchine and Jerome Robbins and it was my first exposure to work that it was kind of solely about the relationship between music and movement and that was sort of mind-blowing to me and so there and it was just sort of like this treasure chest of of ballets at that time you know I came from San Diego and uh, it's a beautiful city, but there's a very small dance scene there, so I hadn't really seen anything. And I think, you know, the only thing I had really seen was a performance of Giselle by ABT that, uh, when they came on tour. And so it was just a very sort of like eye-opening uh, experience to spend, you know, three to four years just sort of taking in and studying the work in the repertoire here. So. Uh, your choreographic talents were recognized pretty early on, and uh, some of your first works were actually commissions here at the New York City Ballet. What was that like, sort of, I guess, growing up or learning your craft in such a public and prominent arena? You know, I was actually lucky in a way because I spent a few years at the New York Choreographic Institute prior to making my first commission for New York City Ballet, and so I was able to kind of honed my craft there prior to anyone seeing my work. And so I, you know, I made a lot of mistakes and I, um, I kind of figured out what I, what I liked as a choreographer. And I, I think we, I worked on maybe like four or five projects there. And Peter Martin's sort of, after I finished one, he would invite me back to make another and then another. And um, one thing sort of led to the next and he was always sort of encouraging of me making more work. And eventually I received my first commission for uh, for the company, but it was um, at a time, I forget exactly when it was, but Peter came to me and he was like, okay, I want to commission you to make a ballet for New York City Ballet. You're going to have to wait two years. <laughs> so it was sort of a long waiting game for me because the way that the seasons are planned, it's done so far in advance that, and uh, towards the end of my um, experience at the Institute, I uh, worked on this piece to music by Philip Glass, and um, I think Peter really responded to it, and he um, he asked if we could just sort of like sneak it into the season, and so that piece actually premiered ahead of You're the Rabbit up in Saratoga Springs, 
Um, so my first piece for New York City Ballet was actually up in, you know, in Saratoga. Yeah. But I think uh, when New York audiences saw You're the Rabbit, it was their first real exposure to you. And uh, something that immediately struck everyone who has seen the ballet is your skillful use of the corps de ballet. And it's something that a lot of choreographers struggle with. The more people you put on stage, the more complicated things may get. But with you, it seems like the more people are on stage, the more at ease you are. So uh, what, what is this um, about core work that inspires you? And how, why, is, why does it come naturally to you, do you think? Um, I just, I kind of always thought about uh, about it from almost, almost like as if it's material. So. Um, the more people you have, the more possibility there is um, when creating a ballet. If you have less people, I think there's actually more challenge to that, I find. You know, making a solo can be the hardest thing ever. Um, but for some reason, I just don't feel uh, afraid of working with 25 dancers. Like, I actually feel sort of um, excited about that and inspired by that. And um, and you know, my interest in that really came from when I was dancing and, and of course looking at the works by Balanchine and Robbins, but also um, getting to work with living uh, choreographers and you know, uh, Christopher Wielden and Alexei Ratmansky and, um, and Peter Martins and uh, Mauro Biganzetti and all these great uh, dance makers who were coming in. I got to sort of um, interact with them as a dancer and it was at a very impressionable time for me and could kind of like take what I liked about the working process of all these um, various choreographers and sort of apply them to my own way of making dances. So you've, you've made all these works in the interim since then, um, yeah. but uh, I know that you'll definitely have an opinion about your older works. Mm. And, and so you've watched them age a bit and you have seen new casts move into it. Uh, do you ever think that you would respond to the music differently? Do you ever enjoy or, or not enjoy seeing different dancers shape the roles differently? What is it like to watch your works age? Yeah, I mean, I think You're the Rabbit's a good example because it's been performed uh, for a few seasons here at New York City Ballet and it's also been performed by a few other companies around the world. And at first I was like, okay, no matter what, I'm gonna fight my instincts and just leave it exactly how it is. I want it to stand as a piece at a moment in time, and um, and actually, you know, I, I had a lot of conversations with a lighting designer who I worked with. His name's Brandon Baker, and he's a good friend of mine, and we collaborate a lot on on ballets. Um, and then is sort of like over time, it started to turn into this feeling of like nails on a chalkboard, and I had to like go in and slowly like start to make little tweaks and uh, and alterations to the work because I just. I, I couldn't really watch it anymore. And I still, and I still sort of feel that way, so. It's, it's funny, I, I would imagine it's maybe like, like uh, if you were to watch a video of yourself dancing at 19 versus now. You've, yeah. you've grown so much, you, you've uh, evolved. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it is, you know, it's interesting to see different dancers take on the roles too and, um, and bring certain specific qualities to the roles and, um, and also just to see how dancers of um, different backgrounds, different techniques, and uh, you know, in companies located in different parts of the world, how, how they respond to the movement. And um, so it's been like this kind of um, interesting 
uh, growing vehicle for me. So. so let's talk a little bit about the last ballet we'll be seeing today, uh, which is Times Are Racing. It's your most recent work for the company, and uh, it is your biggest departure from what we are, expect from Justin Peck, I guess. Um, and for all of our talk of using classical ballet steps, what's interesting about this work is that there's a lot of tap in it. So um, what was your personal experience with tap dancing as a dancer, and why did you choose to include those moments in this piece? Um, so I don't know if people, if a lot of people know this, but I actually started off as a tap dancer. Um, when I was a kid, I, I think I was around nine years old, and my parents took me to see a show called Bring in the Noise, Bring in the Funk, which is uh, an amazing show that uh, starred Savion Glover at the time. And it's a very sort of like pivotal moment for me. And I decided to really sort of like devote my childhood in a way to training in tap dance. And um, so uh, it's a form that I've always really loved. And, um, and I, didn't, I don't know if I ever thought that I would incorporate it into ballet, but, um, but then I discovered this piece of music. Um, actually, I f I f it came on my radar about four or five years ago, and it sort of like um, was at initially very scary to me because it just, um, the, the quality of the music is it, it has, uh, it's very sort of like strong, intense sound to it, and um, it's very saturated and layered and um, and not necessarily um, what you would expect to hear if you came to New York City Ballet. Um, so it took me a few years to kind of like work up the courage to choreograph it. Um, but uh, when the time came to, to do it, I, um, there was one section of the piece that was so kind of like intricately rhythmic that I felt like the only way of responding to it was through tap dance. So I kind of like, took a few months and sort of like workshopped on my own and re reacquainted myself with tap and it was actually interesting I, I did a lot of it while i was in paris working with paris opera ballet like when i had a couple hours off i would go into a studio and it was always a little challenging there because all the studios are raked so i would be like trying to tap dance on like this hillside um and would like come close to like twisting my ankle many many times but um but so anyway so i i sort of like reacquainted myself with that technique and then we incorporated it into the piece and actually through the experience of making that i realized that those initial years of tap training uh have a lot to do with the musicality of my choreography um, so it was nice to have that kind of like self-discovery after making this piece too. Thank you for listening to City Ballet. To stay up to date on episode releases, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts.